This conference will now be recorded. It's a good beard, mate. It's a good beard. <laughs> <laughs> I learned from the best. Um, <laughs> moving swiftly on. Um, welcome and hello, or hello and welcome to the third episode of uh, Making Lemonade podcast. Uh, I am, as ever, um, Gaz Simpson, just to kind of. Uh, uh, I suppose revisit why we're doing this um, this series. We're here to break the um, the broken soldier uh, narrative, and we're here to kind of change people's views on what it is to be a veteran, um, what veterans coming out into Civvy Street um, actually are, and and I suppose just demonstrate by showing a few stories of of where people have come out of um, of um, the forces and really change the the world or really change their their lives around. It's not always a um, an atypical uh, resettlement, you know. I think whenever we're coming from large organisations and you know, regardless of whether it's the forces or, or the police or fire brigade or anything like that, large institutions, you kind of um, you're not so much leaving it, you're ripped out of it, and it can really have an effect. Um, so it's all about having open conversations, meeting some really interesting people um, and going from there. One really interesting person uh, who I'd like to introduce you all today is uh, is my good friend, uh, John Sutton. So um, uh, John uh, spent six years um, or five, six years in the uh, Royal Marines, did um, Herrick uh, seven and nine, I think it was, in um, in Afghanistan. Uh, some nice tasty tours really there. Um, when he came out of the Marines, he uh, focused primarily on private security. So um, did the usual anti-piracy stuff, uh, working in the high-risk area off the coast of Somalia, um, the Gulf of Aden, um, all that type of good stuff. Um, then he moved into... I suppose more traditional um, close protection roles. He's uh, he's worked with some high net worth individuals. He's uh, been a medic uh, for Love Island, Australia, uh, where he's on Fiji. He's trained all over the world. Um, I, th- I was looking through his profile earlier on. Um, I think you were a paramedic working in Tanzania um, as well, which is pretty cool. Um, since then and after i suppose retraining as a paramedic and going through all of that and having a couple of deployments with those guys uh he moved into the more mental health um aspect of it um in particular he's uh he's now focusing more on the veteran mental health um the thing that i like about uh john is is motivation you know I, i've always been motivated and inspired by him um he's got cracking stories he's a genuine nice guy quite annoyingly a genuine nice guy sometimes um but his motivation in life uh was that he would do something extraordinary um you know travel see the world everything like that and whilst that hasn't changed he still wants to do things extraordinary um he really wants to make a positive change in the world you know learning how to be compassionate to himself um, and then passing it on to other people. So I suppose without further ado, o- over to you, John, if you, if you want to say a couple of things about that. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, that's quite the intro. Yeah, uh, we go back. So it's it's nice we to... We do, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's nice to hear that from you. But yeah, I mean, we haven't seen oh, each other right. for long, so it's just nice to see you, to be honest. Um, yeah, I think where to start? Um, you were saying obstacles in the creative process, but I think um, uh, well, one thing that stuck out when you asked that was, you know, it's the obstacles for me that kind of define your trajectory. It's like you come up to a challenge and all of a sudden it's like, hang on, you can try from that. The challenge is great for growth. Moving through that is, is, is these are the ways, you know, and it, um, yeah, I, where to start? Um, okay, well, you said past, present, future. Um, yeah, I've never done anything like this before, so pardon my, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, we, uh, the Royal Marines was yeah. kind of, yeah, I mean, quite I think, 
you don't know what it's going to be until you're in i think is the thing no no um, and, and and that's it i mean like as you said like like we go back um obviously back uh quite a while and, and yeah we were only speaking last night weren't we how it's i think it's been like 12 years really since we had um, uh had a conversation i think that that's what that's what tends to happen in um in the forces quite a bit like we've got i think every kind of relationship that you do have um with uh, your peers and with some of your mates and oppos um it's full on like because you are living together you are fighting together you are going through some of the the real highs and lows and you're going to get to see the no frills version of each other um and then yeah and then it just kind of uh you you just ripped out of that really aren't you uh <laughs> whenever you do that and then you know what you you yeah. feel yeah you, you lose a bit of contact but it's always good to kind of um like meeting up with some of your old uh oppos because it's exactly like you've never really left really i suppose I like you need to do it more to be honest like for me it's yeah you, you know leaving was was exceptionally hard um and yeah. you kind of i think it's you're, you're 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 surrounded by everyone and this idea that you know you get around each other you look after each other and you're seeing each other you live together you work together you turn to together you do fizz together you go out and you socialize together you know family is not the, is is not even a strong enough word for what you you know you become with, with each other and then it's i i'm for me personally i came back from my second tour not in a good place at all like not in a good place and you know I can come forward and say, you know, there was stigma, but it wasn't stigma. It was more of a, it's more than I can even figure out. I can't, I can't tell you how I feel because I've, I've no idea how I feel. I, I know something's wrong. Is I remember I came back from my second tour and I was, I don't want to say, that, you know, I went to my troop stipe and, and even he was like, don't really know what to do, not really what to say. Um, and even in that close knit environment where you've got, I, I had like some of the closest mates I've ever had in my life. And even then it was like, I don't know how to talk about this with the guys around me. Cause I don't think, I don't, I still don't, I didn't feel that there was a space for me to have this conversation. And, you know, we use the word stigma, but it's like, I need to be as best as I, you know, my best self for the boys around me, you know? And, yeah. and I can't, and how am I supposed to go to those boys and say, I'm not in a good place. You know, I'm not what you need me to be or you know is that you know um but for me personally like i i was medically discharged in the end and um you know when you you what you know i had this whole career idea you know, i wanted to do this i want to do this i had like i was so motivated so like i'm gonna make this work i'm gonna this is my career this is my life you know and all of a sudden you know you end up on a med board down in portsmouth and they just turn around you know, some, some Matlow officer turns around, chucks you in, you know, just says, cheers for your service, you're out. And, you know, you just, Amber fell apart, like lost my shit. I was just like, I was ready for anything. Like you chuck anything yeah. out, stand there and fucking take it. But hang on, what? What do you mean I'm not in anymore? You know? <laughs> what? Uh, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I think yeah. life just as a, um, has a, a trend of just, throwing things at you to kind of like all right dickhead we see that <laughs> that you're yeah. doing this what about this yeah. i mean w what kind of led you into the marines at the beginning then um like what kind of made you think i want to go for the car and that'll be really amazing family i think it was uh yeah i wanted to, i think well i mean we'll touch on my childhood i quite a ch unstable childhood which I, I imagine most of the guys in the core will probably relate with but for me it was yeah, I think was, a lot do yeah I think a lot do a lot of like difficult issues with fathers but I think um for me it was yeah I, I respect is a big word like I wanted to do something that would make a real difference I wanted to be like you know a force for good in in the kind of you know cheesy sense but it's you know the cheesy is cheesy for a reason and it's like um I wanted to make a, a significant impact and, and see the world and really like be you know something bigger than me which I think most blokes will, you know, if you get down to it, will say the same thing. Um, yeah. And, you know, I was like, well, what can I do? And he was like, I didn't like the naval uniform. Uh, wasn't <laughs> sure about the army. And then I was like, well, you know. You Sorry, know, Eddie Matlow's listening. <laughs> <laughs> Told you the guys, love you all. I, mean, I just, yeah, it's in the language. Um, 
uh, and then you, um, yeah, and then before, you know, I, I, I was like, I wanted to prove myself in a way that, you know, many, few people could. And, um, you know, the Royal Marines, you know, what more could you do, you know, and um, with the sole focus of growing that green berry. I remember in training, it was like one of the, one of the train corporals once was like, left his, he left his berry or something in, in the gym and he sent me to go and get it. And that superstition of that green berry was so high. Like, <laughs> yeah, back yeah, it, like, it. A paper bag, like, I wouldn't even touch it. I was like, is, you know, is your berry corporal? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I'm not worthy of touching this thing yet, you know? Um, so that's, yeah. Um, yeah, I think the, motiv the motivation was, yeah, it's, it's, um, to do something exceptional. Um, but yeah. I think the thing is, it's um, when you're coming into like the Royal Marines, it's, there's, it says not to get too political, but you kind of, that childish innocence and that kind of, I just wanted to run through the mud. I just wanted to like, you know, get dirty, get like whatever, fire off, you know, shoot stuff, you know, just be with the boys. And then before you know it, you come out, you're in a commander unit, and then you're looking at operational tours in countries and you're going to make stuff happen. And it's like, all right, okay, this is, you know, this is, yeah, you, I knew this was coming, but okay. Um, and for me, like I, I grew up in Palestine in the occupied West Bank and like I knew what occupations looked like. I knew what we were going to do. And I really sat on my soul. I thought, I don't want to be, you know, IDF. I don't want to be, you know, an occupying force in someone else's country. So I started having these real, like, problems, you know, like, I don't, you know, what, what is it that I'm going to do? And I, yeah, it really sat with me for, for quite heavily. It still does, you know? Um, yeah, but I'm yeah. quite unique maybe in that aspect, but in, in my way, but not in the broader sense. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, it, cause I obviously asked this question to a lot of people, you know, what kind of brought you into the forces and it, there's, there's loads of different answers. It's usually around, well, do you know what? I didn't have a, a, a completely straightforward upbringing and I was looking for my tribe, you know, and I was looking for that recognition. I've had people who who go into the forces for, for the wrong reasons, if there is a wrong reason. I only say a wrong reason because sometimes, like, you know, that person's a vulnerable person and then they go into an environment where... Uh, they, they think it's going to be one thing, but it, it's completely not. Um, and then you just get the people who, who see like a recruitment uh, photo, and then and then just end up going in. Um, I think yeah. what the one thing that is kind of like steady throughout it all is it's not what you expect. Um, and when you do go in, even to the point where like we're probably going to focus on on the Marines. Purely because we've got two Marines on uh, at the minute, but you know you go through the, the training and then you finish, and as you're finishing, you you finish at the top of your game in King Squad, as it's called there, where everyone looks at you and thinks that you're the dog's bollocks, um, and then you come out and guess what? <laughs> you're right at the very bottom again, and and I suppose that that can kind of kind of really knock you back. When it comes to it, you're like, oh no, these guys are bigger boys. <laughs> so, so I thought I proved myself, but I haven't even started. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly yeah. mate, exactly. Yeah. How did you find the the call then? Like, um, yeah, you found um, in? Interestingly, like I'm, I got to my unit as Bravo Company in '40, and I really, um, I say the word bullied, but I didn't quite gel as much as I maybe I wasn't in the right place. Like I think coming out into my unit, you know, being a sprog, being a, um, being a sprog for quite a while, like most of my troop joined um, Charlie. And um, so I was just on my own really. Um, and never actually quite gelled with the guys I was with, which was a real shame. Um, and um, I actually struggled, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't mainly, it was me, you know, it was, it was, there was an aspect of me that was, that was struggling with it, but um, yeah. Uh, and it, and it kind of brings me to this, like, like going out with, with 40 commando to Afghan and, and I, and, and, and I, you know, this is getting real raw, but I, I, I struggled with it. Um, and you know, this idea of the, the moral ambiguity of war, you know, I, I knew what war would mean. And, you know, we're doing the pre-operational training and things started to get, you know, they're really real. You're really going to do this. And 
you know it's a voluntary serve you know we're not we don't have you know this isn't i'm not doing this because i have to i'm doing this because i've yeah. chosen to and that's a different thing you know and um i was watching iraq at the time and thinking i don't understand you know and um and all of a sudden building up for iraq again and i'm like no one's given me a real reason why we're doing this you know and yeah. um and I, I really struggle with that um Maybe I think too much. I think I remember, you know, one of the guys telling me, it's like, we don't pay you to think, mate. Like, we kind of do. Like, I think we do. Like, there's no such thing as just like that thoughtless soldier, you know, you're not a mindless killer. You, you know, you're going in yeah. because, you know, we're thinking soldiers and maybe that's the problem. Um, and for me, yeah, I, I had this real tear and this, this thing that came up for me in terms of like really trying to work through it since, you know, we talk about PTSD, we talk about PTSD, but the real thing for me is this idea of the moral injury, if that makes sense. It's like, yeah, you're yeah. going in and it's like, I don't quite, you know, there's, there's no right decision in this. Like if I, if I go, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm breaking like my morals in, in terms of I'm not quite engaged with this, but I'm going to go anyway. And it's like, well, hang on, but if I choose to kill, I disagree with that, but I'm going to go because I'm a Royal Marine. I'm supposed to look after my brothers. And it's like, the whole thing was just messy and, and I'm like, I'm too confused right now to, to really operate, to really get this right. And it took some time to get my head straight, but, um, and this idea, you know, it's taxi, the emotional tax, like, I, you know, I can say this and a lot of guys, you know, might look at me and think, what the fuck's he talking about? But, you know, the, until you're in that moment, until you're going to it, until, until the, the cards are on the table, until, you know, you're wearing that uniform, you know, you've sharpened your pencil and you're ready to fucking use that pencil. And, yeah. And it's like, you don't know what you're going to do in that moment. And for me, it was like, I made the decisions I made. And it's, it's hard because I came back and working through it, you know, you kind of, this thing came up for me. It's like, I am unforgivable for the things I've done. Like the things I, I can never be forgiven. This is my burden to bear for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I came back from Afghanistan. I'm going to put it down to, to the stress, to the, I, I, I went from being like a, athlete in training. I was one of the fittest guys in my troop. Oh yeah. yeah you know, okay. I did my 30 mile troop boss looked at me and were like, you do it again. I was like, yeah, do it again. Like a week of commando tests and I felt great. Um, and then within months I'm disabled. Like I, I was, you know, with it, we say we'll come back from a second tour and it's like, I'm, I'm chugging back the steroids. I'm like, I've got, um, asthma on a level that doctors just looking at me like, what is wrong with you? Like we can't figure yeah. it out. Like, you know, all the boys calling me, pussy lungs, crisp packet lungs. And, you know, it's like, yeah, like all this is just like this emotional, like trauma. And, and this, this like things are just too difficult to comprehend in that moment. Like some things are just too shocking to get your head around in that time. Yeah. And it's like, it goes round and round in your mind and it's so exhausting. It's, it's tiring. Yeah. And, and, you know, and the body holds this, you know, you, your mind might be good. You know, we talk about the commando mindset and, you know, Encouraging your convictions and being able to like just make a decision and step past you know what you think is right you know and that's what I thought being a commander was you know and I think that that's what I tried to help to but I know I'm kind of going around in places but, no 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 you know, I, I, I think I think what you're saying there is you know it it's really really um, I really resonate with it and I think it's important because I don't think a lot of um, the lads who the lads and, and, and boys and girls men and women sorry who are going through um similar things really understand like just how physical some of this is i mean um i i, I kind of want to go back into you know that whole moral injury and the kind of justification yeah. because i think that that's kind of important but I, i'll i'll say something about um your health as well like and and somebody summed it up for me um, only this week, actually, um, when we were talking about mental health, when we were talking about, um, yeah, you know, like how, how we cope and coping mechanisms, like people don't realize that if you've got depression, if you've got, um, PTSD, by the way, like depression's a, a symptom of PTSD or any anxiety or anything like this, it opens you up and it weakens your immune system. And... Yeah. Someone described it as I feel like somebody has stolen my health. Right. And that kind of hit me like a, a robo because, you know, yeah. I, I speak to my, obviously I speak to my wife every day, but my wife, when I first started seeing her, 
and uh, going out with her, I was the fittest I've ever been, you know, and I was healthy and I would like bat away colds and COVID has nothing on me, Jack, you know, that type of thing. And then uh, she was even mentioning the other day, she was like, I suppose I just got to the point where I started noticing myself saying, oh, that's very unlike Gaz to be ill. And I was just saying it that many times that I just accepted that now you are ill all the time. And uh, and yeah, there's, it, it, it's horrible because like I certainly grew up thinking um, anything to do with like mental health just stays in the mind. And, you know, ironically, it's all in the head. You know, it, it is. <laughs> but that has effect on so much um, of you. Um, it's yeah. just... Uh, yeah, it, it, it's just mad. I mean, like I'm hobbling around right now with a with a bust hip, which pre like uh, going through any of this, I would have like just laughed off. Um, and yeah, picking up all these colds and everything. Like that, it's, it, it's one, isn't it? Really, it, it does really affect your health, doesn't it? I mean, we we talk about ourselves as if we're like this separated entity, like that we can just yeah. separate the mind from the rest of the body and just say, you know. Um, uh, this this just thinks like the body just does its thing you know they're, they're not correlated at all like it's mind body you know and and this this is you know yeah I, I, how to say this yeah for, for, okay and this this comes into men's mental health in a little way but it's like yeah a lot of the guys i mean my experience as a paramedic for the last you know working with you know the welsh ambulance and you know down the southwest ambulance service it's like so many men that I'm going to, and and this one guy sticks out in particular, and I'm, you know, he's you know it's a concern for welfare, and I get there and I start talking to this guy, and he's looking at me and he's like, he's telling me my mum, you know, could never connect to me emotionally. She never she never made it okay for me to like she she never feels emotions is what he's telling me, you know, and I'm like, and he's suicidal, full on suicidal. He's just like I've walked back from the Seven Bridge just now because I was about to throw myself off it, and the only thing that stopped me was considering how cold it might be when I hit the water. And I'm like, and I'm looking at him thinking, and the first thing I think of is like, when was the last time you cried? And he's like, I've never cried in my life. And, you know, 10 minutes of talking to this guy and really just like, really talking to him, really just saying like, it's all right to cry. Like, it's as natural as laughing. Like, and, and, and in that moment, you know, giving him a hug, just being and listening and like connecting to him and helping him connect to how he felt in that moment, he burst into tears and honestly after like he was like a different person and you yeah. know for men you know this 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 fear of being vulnerable like if we as raw marines are, you know we we, we say we, we you know we boast that we are like you know um we can adapt to anything we can make anything happen you know we're um you know this this word resilience like i hate this word but i like this word at the same time yeah. and it's like this idea of resilience is like i am like an island but i'm supposed to like control and contain my own shit um and if in any way i can't you know that is a failure on my part it's not a failure on your part like we're social animals we're socially like cognizant you know we need each other you know and it's like something you know like we were saying it's like like i was saying yesterday it's like this idea of you know you ptsd is one thing moral injury is another and they, they're closely linked but ptsd is just like it's the emotional trauma of the of a significant event so say that you've had something you know, as we all have something significant that's like, fuck, that was shocking. That was a lot to deal with. That was like deeply upsetting to me. I don't know how to process that. Okay, mm -hmm. but that's one thing. But there's another thing. It's like how I feel about that morally, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like the world isn't what I thought it was going to be. And, you know, you set out and you want to like make all these things better and do all these things. But the road itself is quite a hard one. And it's like being forgiving and compassionate to yourself in that moment. And it brings, it comes down to this idea of psychological flexibility. So you, you know, you have to be flexible to the idea that you haven't got everything right. And that everything that you might feel is, is like, this is, this is how I feel about it. Well, how sure are you of that? You know, it's like, mm. I can never be forgiven. Why? What? You, you know, if a hundred people were looking at this thing, would they all reach the same conclusion that you have, you know? And it's like, I, luckily my partner is incredibly supportive and I was, I was working through this, um, this, this, this real like hard stuff. Cause you're kind of like, I was a Royal Marine. I was supposed to deliver. I was supposed to perform. I was yeah. supposed to look after my brothers. I was supposed to do this. You know, I was supposed to be this beacon of light of some whatever, you know, and then you're kind of like, well, hang on, but I'm only human. 
and you know I'm not perfect and I don't boast to be but you know and you kind of go I can never be forgiven and this is my burden to bear for the rest of my life I've made I've done things that I can't be forgiven for and she's like well what if this was your brother saying this what would you say to him and you're mm. kind of like fuck of course I say you were young you were a child you were you were in that situation you know you were just doing what you thought best in that moment and being able to have that conversation yourself is fucking profound but it's the hardest thing to do it's the hardest yeah. thing I've done in my life hands down you know raw marine training got nothing on that being able to look at yourself and like I was saying yesterday it's like being you know I, I likened it to this this beast this 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 horrible like thing that sits in the back of your periphery that you just like every you know you're looking everywhere but you just don't want to look at that but it's always there and it's always riding you you know it's shame it's guilt it's this and then you know you have to look at it because if you don't like you know we can't you know where is the courage in this you know it's a hard yeah. thing to do and, we, and the only way to do it you know it's like i was saying it's like this canvas you can't just look at it and go all right okay you know um you gotta talk you gotta talk because you don't know how you feel about things until you talk and and things you know this idea of things being too shocking it's too shocking to look at it's just too much i can't get my fucking head around it and it doesn't matter like you sat with your oppos and you know a lot of my oppos I'm fucking sick to death. I'm sorry I'm swearing a lot, but I'm getting a little bit emotional about this. No, do it, mate. Like, I'm sick to death turning on my social media and seeing another oppo slotted himself. Another oppo's gone missing. Like, I'm done with it. Like, Yeah. It, it, it's bullshit. And, and do you know what I mean? Uh, I, I think, like we were talking, you know, it's a real pandemic in men in particular. You know, and I, and I appreciate that that's very one-sided, but it's a real pandemic in men. And I think a lot of people don't understand how, you know, the difference between suicide and suicide, because you've got lads who traditionally just end up losing it and then killing themselves, which is absolutely tragic. But then you've got the other people. And these other people are people who are constantly chasing that buzz, constantly chasing that excuse to kind of put themselves in danger. So if you were to look at like some of the statistics, yeah. man, you'll see yeah. well, no, suicides. Yes, suicide rates are horrendous. But then all the people have accidents, man. Right. And I mean that in the loosest term, accidents. Regarding like accidents. the people, yeah, yeah, the people who end up just going out and getting so absolutely wasted, <laughs> and end up doing something stupid, picking fights. People who, people who go off and do private security, like you and I did. You know, like that's not a safe job. You know, no. like you say what you will about the difference between you know. I know there's a, a there's obviously two houses with maritime security and and um and land-based close protection but either way that they're not um yeah they're not jobs for for people who, who want to settle down and have a nice uh, comfy life and everything like that and i think um i think that that's an important thing to kind of distinguish because there are people there are people who, who genuinely have like the suicidal look not look about them but you know what i mean if you if you're close enough to them you say that they're going through a bad time you'd be able to understand it and then you've got the people who are just trying to run away from um from all of these little bad thoughts and everything like that right. and their the coping is, mechanisms yeah. are going to get them in it's a perfectly rational thing to do that's yeah. that's the thing that's the most upsetting part of it you know it's like what you're going through how you're feeling about it and what the conclusion you're reaching absolutely rational but you know, and I was joking, you talk about maritime, it's like, yeah, but there's no IEDs at sea, at least, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, your story about your Rappo coming in. Um, yeah, yeah. It was a real eye-opener. Um, I think I touched on it in maybe the last episode as well, but yeah, it really bonded with, um, with this guy um, and yeah, came into my room at like I think it was four thirty in the morning, and uh, confessed that he tried to uh, <laughs> to blow his head off with um, with a rifle. But luckily, we were weapons hold held, so they were in a safe, which he didn't have access to. But you know, it, it, yeah, and it's just like that. 
you're there as a small fire team in the middle of the Indian Ocean and one of your lads all of a sudden is like, you can't trust him with a weapon. It's yeah. Like, and you can't, by the way, like, like you know, if you want to disappear anywhere, you go on a ship in the middle of the ocean. Like, you will go days without seeing anyone on your radar, which is up to 100k around. You know, it, it, it really is a place where you can kind of go. And I think that that's, that's one of them, really. I mean, you finished with uh with your i think it was solace wasn't it or or a, a, another company and then then what happened then yeah uh, i think interestingly i finished with solace and um yeah it was time i think i was in a bad place mentally like i think yeah um, it's a lot of yeah coming out from solace was like i was like okay well you know maybe maybe i should try something different now maybe i should move on maybe i should do something else and um you know that's that ambition of like i've set out to like really make you know i wanted to do something as well to make it you know to do my part or not even do my part but just kind of like you know i want those stack shelves in tesco you know i wanted to yeah. you know I'm, I'm i'm intelligent you know there's, there's there's a world out there i want to see it i want to do it i want to embrace it and yeah medical training going back into university was what you know really good thing really enjoyed that um i could not gifted academic but at all <laughs> but um, yeah you know you give me a reason to do it and did, did you find the routine and the structure kind of helped again? Yeah, actually, actually, yeah. And uh, I, I actually noticed my health started to come back, you know, hitting the gym loads, um, felt like I could, you know, it's like, you know, I could beat myself and say, I'm not in the gym, not in the gym as much as I can, but it's like, sometimes I've, I put, I go to the gym, I smash it out. And sometimes I get back in that mindset and feel like I'm, you know, 20 again or back in the core. And, you know, for me with the steroids and the asthma and the inhalers, it's like, I put myself back in A and E if I'm not careful. Um, it's a really hard thing to have to deal with really hard thing to have to get your head around it's like my body is broken my body is yeah. like i put through i put it through stuff like people can't comprehend and maybe i haven't quite comprehended and put my head around you know and it's like I, the stress and everything has been through you know i have to be more compassionate to myself i have to be you know just kind of accept the fact that you know those lim the, you know the boundaries that i used to push myself for constantly you know those have changed a little bit and maybe i have to be more conscientious of that but um yeah, the medical training was really fascinating, really enjoyed that. And I found that uh, there was a thing in the back of my mind is if, if I keep reading this medical stuff, sooner or later, I'm going to find some, I'm going to find some holy grail and it's going to tell me how to fix my, 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 my body. And I went from <laughs> focusing on the body, focusing on the drugs, focusing on, you know, all the interventions, everything that, you know, modern science had to tell me about the body and then thinking, actually, it's here. It was always yeah. here you know, and, you know, all this led me here, the welfare job, as a paramedic, it was like, you know, I'm not, the medical stuff's interesting, it's Gucci, it's fancy, but most of the paramedic job is, is how you are with people, being able to calm people down. And one of the gifts that I've really found I have is I can walk into a room of a thousand people, you know, in crisis, and I can just control that shit. I can, I can, yeah. I can bring everyone back down to earth. I can control that scene. I can, I can make everything that needs to happen, happen. But it got to a point in my head and I was like, I'm not all right, actually. You know, I'm running around trying to fix everyone else, but I'm the one that's suffering. And, you know, one day it's going to be a paramedic coming to me because I'm going to be stood on that bridge. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to come to. You kind of like, you know, and that started for me. It started this like journey of inward, going inward a little bit more and, and being open to that idea. And um, I, there's one thing that I kind of come to, and it's like as veterans, um, you know, we're, we're a tiny little portion of the population that's seen conflict, you know, of the current UK population, how many people have seen conflict? And we're saying a tiny fraction of 1%. So we are a margin, a small, tiny, you know, that's, that's, that's carrying the scars of the whole country. You know, we went to Afghanistan, we went to Iraq, we, we did these things for the country. Now, I'm, I'm going to use the word because it's the only word I can think of. Like, I look at all the statistics. I look at everything that's coming out of the UK government. They're saying, um, you know, veteran mental, you know, mental health amongst the forces is better than, than the population. Yes, of course. But what about the guys that have left? You're not recording that shit. We don't record veteran suicides in the UK. No figures. We don't have that. Like, we don't, we don't, we have no idea what's happening. But it's... At the same time, you know, the UK is coming out and saying PTSD is actually quite low amongst the military. Well, yeah, it is because no one's talking. No one's saying anything. 
the first we hear about someone having a problem, they'd fucking kill themselves. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's not good enough. Like, the gross negligence is the only word I can use. Uh, it's the only yeah. word that comes to my mind. I'm like, it's the only thing I can call it. Like, we're not looking after our boys we, or our girls. Like, we've asked them to do things we could never, you know, most people could never comprehend. We've asked them to go places and do things for us. But we're not looking yeah. after them. We're not doing enough. Yeah. And, and I think it's this uh, this kind of myth that um, that there is no there is no clear indication of what of what PTSD looks like or anything like that. And I think the the way that I kind of got my head around it um, was very I suppose it's very clinical in the sense that you know it's not fluffy, right? In the same way that if you walked, if every time you walked um, across a road, you nearly got hit by a car every single time. And you do this every day. Um, After like two or three days, you know, the first day you're going to be like, oh, shit. Oh, no. (laughs) And then the next day it might get a little bit boring, a little bit boring. And that's because your brain has gone, okay, so this is the new norm. Like that. You know, we like we got shot at. So many times in Afghan, it's absolutely boring. Like, I remember my first tour, we got, an, in our, I think, within the first couple of months, we had like 18 strikes in the first couple of months. And it just got down to the point where it was like, oh, you know, this is almost boring. You know, your body has had to learn over time, and it was conditioned over time to think, this is a natural level of where things are going to be. And then when you come out, mm. all of a sudden your natural level is down here, but that's not where your natural level is. So you're constantly going to be feeling down. You're constantly going to be feeling depressed because that's where it is. You're up here. And, uh, right here. Yeah. 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 And and you just don't. It, it just doesn't marry up. And then, yeah, you've got all of the things you know that that do happen. But I think it's just trying to explain to some of the lads that just in the same sense that if you hurt your hand, like it's going to affect the way that you pick things up. You know, that's what happens with your brain. Mm. The only difference is that, you know, everything that gets associated with your brain could change. Like personalities just flip, Mm. you know, you don't blame your grandma or granddad when they have dementia. Right. So you shouldn't blame, blame yourself if you're having a few snags. Mm. Right. And I think, like it's really important that there's a bit of a journey and it's a journey that I think a lot of veterans go down and that's understanding and finding out for themselves, you know, exactly as you said there, you know, you're really looking into things and really start to look and question yourself and think, do you know what? I'm not all right. Like, but what can I do about it? And I think that that's the thing that really, um, that, that I think, we should really capitalize on what do i want to do about it you know what you don't want to do about it is just sit down on it and stuff like that and that's probably what what caused you uh, and this is me answering questions for you but like caused you to kind of like go into retraining and sorting yourself out in terms of like getting that medical uh, training and then going into uh, into the paramedics you know i mean am i right along that yeah yeah it's, it's like you know not repenting but kind of like you know maybe accepting. yeah moving through and finding a way but the thing is like you, you know you talk about those experiences with ptsd with adjusting to you know a hostile environment which is what we do you know we walked we, we consciously chose to walk into a situation that was fucking dangerous and yeah. it's like and then it's like okay well hang on you're going to come back from that but you have a perfectly proportional response to your environment, you know? And then all of a sudden you come back to modern day society and it's like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I appreciate, you know, we let the dogs walk. Like, now you, <laughs> fuck off, fuck off. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, we don't need you to be that anymore. Just come back and be a person. And it's like, how do you do that? How, 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 how am I, how, you know, the only real, you know, how, how do you control, how do you come and be aware of that and kind of go, and, and, and bring yourself back to being a, a gentleman, a respectful member of society without, you know, most of the guys I know drowning themselves in alcohol. 
the only way they can they can they can you know face these emotions is like getting themselves so drunk and then start crying or like start actually connecting with that or just sedating themselves stupid like ptsd and alcohol is like if you're using alcohol on a fairly regular basis like you should probably think about yeah. how and why why you're using alcohol you know it's a drug it's a toxin you know yeah. it's a poison why 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 are we referring to why are we resorting to alcohol on that level is it to engage or is it to escape and if we're escaping yeah. what are we trying to escape from and the thing is with in terms of what we are as, as humans it's like okay well we can't control how we feel about things and we can't control what we think about things but what we can control is how we choose to, to to move in through it and if we just have that kind of thing we go okay how i feel is going to change and just have patience and how i think about this will change because how i think and how i feel are just this vicious cycle you know and the only thing you can do is just stop that cycle and just yeah. i'm gonna be patient i'm gonna give it a little bit of time it's a really difficult thing to do what you can't do this on your own like and then and the analogy i was using with yesterday it's like you know your mental health is like painting a portrait and you don't know what that painting is going to look like till you finish painting it and every conversation you have is going to be different strokes that you're going to throw across this portrait and the only way to figure out how you feel about it is to finish that portrait you have to just talk it out with whoever it is that you can whoever it is and you know the analogy you know don't cast pearls before swine it's like the person that you're going to talk to make sure that space is is sacred for you to be able to really talk about how you feel about things and they're not going to turn around and just suck it up mate don't be such a pussy you know yeah no, they're being and most of that time when people say that it's a defensive mechanism for them it's defensive so well. i don't want to look at that shit. don't bring that in yeah well don't make me don't mean make me look yeah. at that yeah I, I think um you, you know coping mechanisms are really good and and like one of the the coping the one of the ways that really helped me kind of come to terms with everything that's happened um is i suppose it's taking a good look at chaos theory more than anything you know whether you like it or not you know everything you have ever done in your life like from tying a shoelace to go into war, to do anything, anything, however, right or wrong, good or bad, big or small, has led you to this moment in time. And, you know, if you were to regret any of that, like if you were to take even the slightest bit of that away or change it, you, you wouldn't be the person who you are now. And I think it's about accepting that. And yeah, You've been given these tools and it's how to kind of go from there um really uh, i i think it's just we just need to kind of like be more open because there'll be people listening to this and going all right well you know everybody's broken you know and everyone's got their own issues and you know ptsd this and ptsd that you know it's subjective as well guys you know all right so like john you did two quite kinetic tours of Afghanistan. I did three highly kinetic tours of Afghanistan as well. And do you know what? Guess what? I, I, I've, I've got a touch of PTSD. And I was the only person who, uh, who was surprised about that, by the way. You wouldn't be but human I, if you didn't, mate. Yeah. <laughs> but I speak to guys like who almost feel like they don't deserve the title of a mental health issue. And these are people who have maybe, yeah, they've served, but they haven't, you know, they what we would call remps sometimes. Nothing to the remps kind of way, guys. It's just a bit of banter. But, um, you know, the armed forces isn't all made up of commandos and paratroopers and SF guys and, you know, anything like that. It's made up of, uh, it's a whole machine. This, this and again, I think people yeah. will still get the same effects, guys, yeah. you know. And this plays back into it. Like we're talking about moral injuries. It's like you're coming back from it and thinking, I didn't do enough. I can't be forgiven because I didn't do enough. It comes back into our moral injuries. It's like you can be forgiven. Like you went out and you and you, you got on that plane and you and you and you worked your ass off. I have no doubt about that. I never worked I never worked with one guy that didn't. Be a bit more forgiving. Like you did what you did. You did the best you could. Just because you yeah. weren't 
you know, SBS or whatever. You're like, no, no, we can't all be in the SBS, mate. You know, <laughs> it's like it wouldn't be the SBS. Like, just, yeah, you know, logistics. You know, whether you're feeding them, whether you, it doesn't matter. Like, you're still in that, you're still in that situation. You're still at war. Yeah, and you know, you can sugarcoat it. You can call it, you know, a peacekeeping off or whatever you want to call it. But I was sat in Bastion. You know. Felt like a fucking war to me. <laughs> you, know, you, you know, you're going out on the ground. It feels like a war. <laughs> there's there's hostile enemy all around you. Yeah. Uh, and and there's so mm. much conditioning as well, guys. Um, guys, whenever you're going into uh, into this type of stuff, you know, like a lot of people will say to you, "Oh, like, wasn't it really weird going to war?" I was like, "Well, no, really, because I've been getting trained to go to war from the moment I said I want to go into." the Marines or in the army or in the air force or anything like that. You know, if I go to college to learn how to become a painter and decorator, I'm not going to fucking hate painting and decorating. You know, you kind of got to forgive yourself for some of that as well. Like, but you know, these are physical injuries. Like that's what it is. It like, we, we tend to like focus on, Oh, it's mental this, it's mental that. It's not mental this, it's not mental that, you know, like these are injuries, mate. And I think, they have a real negative effect on your health because your health just seems to go. Your memory, oh my God. Memory <laughs> is absolutely atrocious. Like short-term memory, and I'm really yeah. good at me- memorizing yeah. things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're forgetting people's names, you're forgetting people's faces, you're forgetting, you're forgetting everything. And these aren't names of people you hardly ever know. These are names of your father, your mother, your wife you know, your cousins, things like that. It, it, it all kind of bells into one. But I think one of our superpowers, and I don't know if you agree with me here, but you are focused, so focused on trying to think of anything, but what you really need to think about, and that's getting things over, that you become so productive. And I think as veterans, we are very good at improvising. We're very good at adapting. We're very good at looking at some of the challenges that we've kind of faced and then understanding um, that we can adapt that into Civvy Street. I mean, how have you found, found that adaption? I mean, obviously, you went into private security and then you went into um, paramedics. Like, Where are you now and what are you doing? Um. I think that would, yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, right now, I am um, stepping away from paramedics was quite a hard thing to do. Um, yeah. But, you know, you kind of think I've trained again to do this, um, but there's something else. There's something not quite right, or there's something you know that I, I, I felt this this calling to mental health, to, you know, um, to going to young men who are throwing themselves off bridges, to, um, to being there for someone, you know, in that sense of just, you know, normalizing being vulnerable as a man is, um, I would, I would say my mission statement, like, um, for the last year, I've been working in a halfway home, uh, supporting prisoners coming through, you know, these are serious offenders, gangs, um, and, more than anything, what they need is a role, not, I want to say role model, but I want to say someone that can show them what, you know, the way out of being institutionalized, just like we were in the military. You know, you come out of the military and I'm interested in this idea of integration, of being able to come back and be calmed enough to come back into the community and be pro-social, you know, be, be a respectable contribution towards society and not feel like you are isolated from it. Um, or feel like you are, say, not served, but not being able to serve it, not being able to be a part of it is what really interests me. And I think as men, it's like, if you're being pushed into things, you know, that is not the right energy. You know, we shouldn't, we should be pulled into what interests us. We should be like, you know, the energy that we go into things, it's like, I'm not going to engage with society because I don't want to stack stairs in Tesco. We don't have to, you know, you could do anything in the UK, like literally, you know, you want to go to university? You know, you can get funding, you know, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard, but you, 
give it 10 years and you can do whatever you want. And you just, it's just not going to be easy. You know, um, I think it's too easy just to go now. Um, but ultimately I think I'm, my, 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 my passion is, is connecting to the guys that aren't able to connect to anyone around them or themselves. And, and, and the guys that are in distress, but maybe aren't quite aware of it. The guys that are not able to connect to their girlfriends, their wives, because they they can't connect to themselves and, um, being able to, I know it sounds hippie or whatever, but it's like, it's, it's true. It's, I, I want to help guys, um, transcend and be, you know, why is it three and four of us are killing ourselves? Why is it that, you know, it's, it's almost stigmatized amongst each other to like stand amongst your mates and go feeling a bit anxious or I'm feeling a bit this, or, you know, I'm not feeling quite well today or, you know, whatever, you know, it's, I want to normalize that a little bit more, you know, make it, yeah. you know, um, what's the word for it, but you know, it, it's getting to that. Um, and it's, yeah, yeah. Military yeah. would be my, 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 my thing. Cause I think the lived experience and for me personally, I'd like to, I think when I came out and I went up to my troop stripey, as you, as we were saying, you know, I went up to, I won't say his name, but, um, and, and I said, I'm, I'm not right. And then I, I go in and I speak to the troop, um, the, the, the doc and, um, I go, and I, and I went in there and I went on a Thursday, Tuesday morning, it was, and said, doc, I'm, I'm not well, I'm not right. I'm, I'm just not, nothing, something's not right. And he went, can you come back Friday? I'm busy. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> and I walked out of there numb. Like I have just made, I have just pulled up, you know, everything I had to walk in here and say, I'm not right. And that, and, and the only person that saw it was, was my troop stripey. And next thing you know, I'm sat next to this counselor and she's a 50 year old female, bless her heart, you know, and, and she's looking at me as like a 24, 23 year old, you know, combat Marine. And she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, if you can't, if you can't even, you know, if you've got to ask me, like, I'm like, I can't, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, so, this is all new to me. I've never been able to even quantify this. So you yeah. need to like try and that's what you're here for, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Not so, anything else. It's, it, I think it's so hard, man. There the, the definitely needs to be something changed because yeah. that unfortunately is not a not a, a, a unique story. Like like so my story is sadly not. Sadly not. Yeah, it like. Yeah. So, so, for example, like it—it's it, almost like a, a such a weird story because whenever you're going through really bad times, and there'll be people listening to this as well, and they're going through absolutely shit times. Last thing you want to do is get up, drag your ass to the doctors, try and book an appointment, yeah. and go and see someone. Last thing you want to do is pick up a phone and yeah. go and see someone. Yeah. And then do you know what? You might get to that stage. You might call the Samaritans, combat stress, anything like that, and they'll book you an appointment. That'll be like a couple of weeks away. Mm. Guess what happens when you do go to that appointment? You're feeling fine. You don't need to tell anyone anything. Like, the only, like, and this sounds mega far-fetched, but one of the only thing reasons that I'd say I ever managed to get help, apart from my missus, um, who's really supportive, and it's very important to kind of like have that support bubble around you. Um, I got back from traveling in India um, and I was in Goa and I got stung by a jellyfish, right? Of which everybody in Goa was like, there are no such thing as jellyfish here. Anyway, I got stung, but there was a clear like sting underneath my armpit. And that was the day before I went back. So, um, so I didn't want to go to the hospital there. It was all right. And, uh, I went to the drop-in center when I got back from the, uh, from India. And then I went in and she looked at my um, arm and she was like, yeah, it's like a jellyfish sting like that. And then as a throwaway statement just before I let, in fact, as I was getting up, actually, she went, is everything else all right? Mm. And then I nearly cried. Like, and I, I can't remember the last time I cried. Like, it pisses my missus off and, <laughs> and everyone like that. Like, um, yeah, I was like, oh, no. Actually, no, I'm not all right, and this is why. 
And I think if it hadn't have been for that, I don't know where I'd be. Because I would have just gone through a cycle of self-destruction until eventually it would it would go there. And I think, you know, your mission statement, you know, helping people out, it, that is, that's what we all need to do. And I think we just need to normalise it, as you say, um, and, and everything. So, so what are you, what are you going into now then? Um, well, I've, I'm hopefully uh, starting with uh, UCL as a psychological wellbeing practitioner. So my, I'm trying to move towards a therapist uh, position, um, training, get um, some accreditation. So that's yeah, amazing. Um, I'm trying to get into, yeah, yeah. It's, it's taken a lot of work, but it's a, it's, it's a hard, especially for someone that's not a gifted academic, I would say it's really hard to like have that discipline to sit down and just read. But to be honest, everything I read absolutely fascinates me. Like, um, where we're going and what we're understanding. And, and I think there's something powerful about having someone sit in front of you and go, all right, well, all right, mate, I was there too. You know, I understand. Yeah. I understand how you feel. I just, I, I can't, I can't imagine what you've been going through, but I think I have maybe a little bit of an idea and it's kind of, and, and I think being able to connect on that level with guys and, and the conversations I've had with guys, like even with you, like I, you know, yesterday I felt like a few of the things I said, and I was a bit worried about you after because I thought, yeah, I, th- I think I've I've picked off a few mo- more of my shoelaces. <laughs> Looking away, like missing um, like, like, all my shoelaces. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, um, so yeah, um, I'd like psychotherapist and, um, and 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 connecting to veterans um, is is yeah. where I am and where I you know is my prime focus. Um, Hmm. and where I will be in the next, you know. Is what I I'm like doing. that. I really yes. like that. And I think that this is why it's really important to kind of like, first of all, I wanted to, to, to get you on to see your face because I miss you and everything and everything like that. But it, it's that journey, you know what I mean? And yeah. there are people out there who yeah. just get on that conveyor belt and it only ends up one way. But I think, you know, I've always tracked, the um treated sorry i've always treated the military um it's a bit of a double-edged sword like because it's drilled into you to get up have your breakfast have a wash go for a run yeah. have your dinner do this do that Love a routine. Love and, a routine. And that routine that kind of drilled in routine yeah. has got me through a lot of the problems that i believe the military got me into in the first place, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I think, um, you know, yours is, is a classic tale of, right, I'll get on the conveyor belt, but then, ah, maybe this conveyor belt doesn't happen. And it's that whole thinking man soldier, because we're encouraged, contrary to what people believe about the forces, we're encouraged to think for ourselves and question things. You know, that's not always advertised, like, <laughs> But we've, we've kind of thought to realise, guess what, something's not right here and I need to change it. And I think having that courage to do so, you know, I know that we hate resilience and, and everything like that, but I think it's really important to, to say, yeah, we recognise that something's happening and you want to do something about it as well. I think your piece on, the, on that moral injury as well, man, is, uh, is something that, I imagine we're going to be hearing a lot more from right. you in the future because I'm this shit. yeah absolutely yeah. i think yeah because we talk about ptsd but no one's talking about this moral injury and it then and, and the moral injury is with the shame and the guilt and the shame and the guilt is what kills us and, yeah um, i think the one thing you know the one the one thing guys like I, I would kind of say to um anyone and the one thing that really helped for me was like um take this like really hard thing to do take this like one thing that you can't look at take this one thing that's like the story of that difficult experience that you have that if you were to tell someone that kind of brazen story or whatever it is or you know your time with the core your time with any emotionally traumatizing experience you write that down how you see it and then you whittle it down like you would twitter you get that down into like the gold into like the 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 gold dust like words of you know the raw emotion of like what this means to you is like get it down as few words as possible and then and then leave it you know and then it's a really hard thing to do just go okay well this is it this is like this is my narrative you know this is this is my 
you know, this is the thing that whatever, you know, the, the thing that I won't be forgiven for, the thing, you know, what, the thing that I have trouble with, the thing that keeps me awake at night, the thing that, the thing that sits in the back of my peripheral, you know, and then just, just get it on paper, just get it on paper. And then when you're feeling different, when you're feeling better, when you're feeling whatever, come back and look at it again and just be a bit more open-minded as to what it is that you're saying to yourself. Just be a bit more kind of compassionate to the person that you, you know, are, you know, and, and, and the decisions that you've had to make through a difficult life. You know, you've been through difficult stuff. Like no one yeah. would say to any military veteran, you, you're over, you know, you, you, you're making this into something it's not. Like if it's true for you and it feels real, it's real, you know, and it's, it's, it's valid for you. And no one can downplay that. No one can say that, you know, you, you being vulnerable is not okay in this moment. It's absolutely okay. It's exactly what we need to be. Yeah. Um, and then just be open to it. Just go back and go, if this was my brother, how would I feel about this? Would I, would I tell him what I tell myself or would there be something different? And if, if, if I was to show this to a hundred people, would a hundred people reach the same conclusion as I have and say, yeah, you are unforgivable. <laughs> you know, there's, mm. there might be that one person, there might be that little niggle of doubt that might just go, Maybe I'm not the demon I think I am. Maybe, maybe there is room for me to, to mm. be okay. You know, for, yeah. for me to be able to just like maybe open a small little window of forgiveness, and yeah. and it's a journey. It's a journey. Um, it, it's, that, just, it's, it's that whole yeah. self-love piece, isn't it? And and you're completely right. I think the power is in your hands, though, isn't it? it is. Like whether or not you want. I think I know that is quite con- controversial, but Adler. Um, <laughs> the famous psychologist. Everyone, um, everyone warned me about Adler, but he was a teddy bear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Adler. He's great to um, He's uh, yeah, he's he's not as well known because um, because he didn't. He was like um, Socrates. He, he didn't write anything down. He just gobbled off quite a bit. But he's uh, one of his key things was, and I'm not paraphrasing, of course. You have the power to be happy like you have the power to kind of like do whatever you want because ultimately these thoughts these feelings anything that's going on are part of you and you can choose to accept them you can choose to be angry you can choose to do all of this right Adler also has some uh, some suspicious uh, uh, theories on on trauma, which I don't necessarily agree with. But you know what I mean. It, it it's that whole you know it's the power is in our hands to kind of do that. And like yeah. I follow a lot of like stoicism, and you know I try and like be that type of person, and it's helped me. I know it doesn't help a lot of people, um, but yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting. I mean, what advice would you give to anyone coming out of the forces now? who's looking at their life and thinking, I wonder what's going to happen. Take a knee. Just Mm. take a knee for a minute. Yeah. Um, Be, um, I mean, you're going to do what you're going to do to an extent. Like I remember, um, be open to like what it is that you've just done and maybe be a bit more, um, I'm talking, I can only be subjectively in terms of myself, I think. Be open to the idea that, you know, what you've been through has been quite hard, been quite difficult. Um, you're a very capable person. And um, just be able be a, talk to people. Talk to as many people as possible. And, um, and don't worry about well, just be careful who you're talking to. Just make sure that they are receptive to hearing, you know, your, your, you, you know, don't, don't cast pearls before swine again. You know, it's like, if you're going to stand there on the piss and, you know, talk to some guy that you just met about you in a trauma, like he's not going to be able to hear you or acknowledge you and may even like damage you. But if you're going to, you know, maybe sit down with the therapist, like, or, you know, you don't, it doesn't all have to be therapy. You know, a friend can be a therapist. Talk to someone that can sit there and hear you. And it doesn't matter what you say. Just have, just find that self safe container that you can just get that stuff off your chest. Mm. Just make it heard, make it witnessed. Just, just make sure you're saying it. That yeah. would be my, yeah. Just make sure you, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. Just get it off your chest. 
Yeah, I, I like that. And I think it is taking that, that, that pregnant pause, taking that knee, as you said there. Um, I, I think that that's really important because everybody's going through this. Every single person, more people than you know, like are going through similar situations to this. You are not broken. No. Like you've proved, like John, you know, the the life that you've kind of had, and after you know what you went through after the core and everything like that, you know, you as you said, you want to make a change and you want to have an extraordinary life, and you can do that even if you do have a, a couple of snags here and there, Probably you know, right. we're making right. snaggy sexy. Where can people find out about you, more about you, how do people kind of like, what's there to know? You don't have to give out email addresses or anything like that. It's yeah, more of a watch um, this space. Probably LinkedIn for now, but um, yeah, um, I'm sure I can send details, but yeah, feel free. If you want to reach out, message me on LinkedIn, you know, I'm looking to connect. I'm looking to start something. I'm looking to, you know, if it takes starting a movement to do this, then, you know, that's what we've got to do, I guess. Um, but just, just getting that message out to guys that, you know, it's all right not to be all yeah. right. And, you know, I think one of the best things I heard was like, ask him if he's all right and then ask him again. You know, I think that was one of those things I heard. It was like, don't let him just go, yeah, fine. Just ask him again and go give him that extra. <laughs> yeah, because we're, 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 we're no beds for it, I think. Yeah, when it comes to We're worse for it. Men, absolutely terrible. Oh, my God. We just don't know how we feel about things. And that's yeah. maybe the problem. Oh, good. Well, thank you so much um, for, <laughs> for joining us, John. Um, I can't wait to kind of see uh, the reaction of uh, of this, and I can't wait to kind of see what you go on to become. Um, and uh, you know, from a personal point of view, it's great seeing your face again. <laughs> really, it's so good to see your face, mate. Really, like, it brings back a lot for me. Good. Yeah. <laughs> nice. See ya.